Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. From the book of Mark, and then I'm going to read to you from the uh, book of James. But listen to this. On the evening of the same day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they left the crowd. The disciples got into the boat that Jesus was already in and took him with them. Other boats were there too. A very strong wind blew up, and the waves began to spill over into the boat, so that it was about to fill with water. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping with his head on a pillow. I think it's always funny how meticulously these writers were about describing the situation. They just couldn't say Jesus was sleeping, he had to have his head on a pillow. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? Jesus got up and commanded the wind, Be quiet. And said to the waves, be still. The wind died down. And there was a great calm. Then Jesus said to them, why are you frightened? Are you still without faith? But they were terribly afraid and began to say to each other, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And then the first chapter of the book of James, beginning with the second verse. My brothers, Consider yourself fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. For you know that when your faith succeeds and facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. But be sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, he shall pray to God who gives it to him. For God gives generously and graciously to all. But you must believe when you pray, and do not doubt at all. For whoever doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and blown about by the wind. Any such person must not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is unsure and undecided in every step he takes. God help us to understand what he's trying to say to us through his holy word. As we think together this morning, keep in mind the 8th verse of the book of James, where it says, For he is unsure and undecided in every step that he takes. How to get from where you are to where you want to be. But I have discovered within the last year one of the most profound truths that I think, outside of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and Lord, that a person can never lay hold of. Now, there for a while, I thought it was because of my study, and I think it was, and because of the pain and agony that uh, I had gone through with this busted leg. Only to come a few months ago to read after a man that we know all too well by the name of Dr. Salk, the famous the physician that did so much for the polio situation, that he had found and said the same thing. And I, you know, it just leaves you 
sort of nonplus to find that what you thought was a great unique truth that you had discovered, to find someone else has already have found it and they have published it in a book. And those of you who have read uh, some of his work, this is what he said had to say. He said, every problem has the same core. Every problem has the same core. Now, when I, I was just astounded uh, when I read that this famous doctor had, had discovered that truth. And beloved, it is a truth uh, that uh, can neither be added to or taken from. It's one of these eternal things that a person can discover. The problem that you have today, you had yesterday, that you may have tomorrow, or whether it be in relation to money or busted leg or busted heart or frustration or whatever it might be, any problem that you have and that you face, at the very center of it is this core. And at the center of that core stands one thing. Every problem has this same core. The problem can be expressed in this way with one word. This is what James is saying. He says it so pointedly and so forcefully. This was the dilemma of the disciples on the sea and the boat that was about to be swamped with the Lord Jesus Christ. The one word is uncertainty. That is your problem. That is the problem of God's people. And that is the problem of God's people down through the ages. Look back into the earliest history that we have, the sacred pages of this Bible. And you will find the same thing that plagues us at the center of the, the core of their problem was one and the same as ours. When Moses was ready to move in on the promised land that God had given to them, an outright promise, had rehearsed it in their ears again and again that this is the, your land, is all you have to do is go take it. Remember when they got down to the border, they selected the spies and they went into the land. And when they came back, you remember the majority report was that yes, the land is truly flows with milk and honey. But the sons of Anak are there. And they're giants. And we look to ourselves and their sight as grasshoppers. And so they decided by majority vote that it could not be taken. Even though God had spoken and his promise was sure, it took them 40 years to overcome what was done there within a short period of time. The uncertainty of the situation. You see, dear ones, we speak of enthusiasm. And we say that this is the thing that we ought to have as Christians. And we say that we ought to be involved in it as a church. And, and we should walk around as tall and straight as we can. But how can you have enthusiasm if you are not sure of who you are and what you are? And you're not sure about the situation that you're in. It saps our strength. It makes us vulnerable to our society. It neutralizes our position. And causes us to come to a place where we are completely immobile. If you will agree with me that this is the core of our dilemma, uncertainty. And this is our problem. The question comes then. And we'll answer it and deal with it quickly. What can we do about it? Well, we say we believe. And indeed we do. And I think that should cover three things in this order. And let me call them to your attention quickly. How to get from where I am to where I want to go. Well, now, beloved, I do not have anything to say to those of you who have already discovered this truth. 
And you're precisely where you know that you ought to be at this moment. You just keep on. But to the rest of us, it might be a good thing for us if we would decide what it is that we really want to do. What is it that God has really called you into existence for? What is your thought, your dream, your vision, your hope? What is it that you have within the back of your heart, in the back of your mind, and deep within your heart and your soul that you would like to do or you would like to be? Do you have it? Is it there? Or is it sort of fuzzy? Perhaps maybe the thing that we need to do would be to work with our dreams and our visions until at last they come into sharp focus and we would be able to see it completely and totally, even in technicolor. And then we're in a position uh, to do something about it. Then I would suggest, secondly, when this is done, you believe in yourself. You believe in yourself. Mrs. Crawley, the lady that we read about here about a year ago that gave $1 million to the Schuler Crystal Cathedral. The story of that little lady, she says that her start to, to on the road to being a successful person came when she was visiting in the island of Honolulu. And she said there she went into a church, a small church, and the minister in his sermon said again and again these words, be somebody. God did not take time to build a nobody. Everybody God created, he created to be somebody. And she said when she came back home, she couldn't get away from this. And that this kept going through her mind. And she said, came to the place where she said, well, then if this be so, when God did not make a mistake, and he had something fantastic in mind when he created me and called me into existence, I am going to follow it and see where it leads. And the rest of it is history. Remember, she's the little lady that hired a lot of part-time housewives and mothers to sell her product. And she became a multimillionaire, still living today. Well, dear ones, God did not create a nobody when he created you. He had something fantastic in mind when he created you and called you into existence. And that's a fact. And if you turn over to the book of John, the 7th chapter and 38th verse, you would find that this God is saying through the Lord Jesus Christ that any person that comes to the place where they begin to recognize who they are and what they are and how God has called them and what God has done for them and they recognize Christ as their Savior and Lord, he is saying that living water will flow from them. Now what he was trying to say is that, that you will be the answer to the people in your society in which you live. You will be the answer, part of the answer to your family. To help them to be what they need to be and what they ought to be. It's just as simple as that. Whatever you touch by your attitude, your personality, your being will be something of creation. That is opposite the living water to something that is stagnant, that is dead, that is polluted. Where do we go from where you are? Is there somewhere else? And I'm not talking about a distant place. I'm talking about something within your heart and your soul, within your being, within your very being. Now, I heard a story the other day, in fact, this week, it's, and it says so beautifully what I'm trying to say, but it's very difficult for me to say. It's a young person that you know quite well. If I'd call his name, you would know him. But he grew up in this church, and I only heard this story once, so the details uh, may not be uh, too clear. But he was somewhere in Mexico, New Mexico, and he wanted to go from there to somewhere in Texas. Perhaps Austin, Texas, I believe, sticks in my mind. And as he got his things together, 
his books mainly and his other items that he had to leave from that place to go to another destination there where he was. And when his young friends were saying goodbye to him, they asked him about a trailer that he had his things loaded in and wondered or not whether or not it would make the trip. And asked him what would he do when he gets out there halfway in the middle of nowhere and the thing breaks down. He says, well, he says, I'll load what I can in my car and I'll shove the thing off the road into the ditch. And then he got in his car with all of his possessions and took off. Sure enough, when he's driving down the road and minding his own business, looked out the window and I went the wheel off the trailer out through the field. You ever have that happen to you? One day I was in a car and we'd cut the top off of this old car and I looked out the window and I went the back wheel out. You know, they'll outrun you every time. <laughs> it's a miserable field. So he saw his trailer gone. He rolled it over in the ditch, put all his supplies and everything he had on his car best he could and started on down the road. He got down the road a little ways and he saw past the yard with a trailer in it for sale. He stopped his car, went over to the house, knocked on the door. A lady came to the door and says, your trailer for sale? And she said, yes. How much you want for it? $300. He says, I only have 175 She says, well, you come in and we'll talk about it. He went in and she fixed him a big breakfast. Fed him. And after it was over, breakfast finished. She says, now we'll talk about the trailer. She says, you only have $175? He said, that's right. She says, well, I can't take all your money. She says, you give me $150 and trailer's yours, you can have $25 for traveling expenses. So he loaded his things on a better trailer and made it on to where he intended to go. The question being, what if he had not started? And who did he have faith in? The trailer or his ability and capability to meet whatever situation on that highway that would come up? Now, beloved, there's a lesson there for us. Those of us who come to the place where we think that we have to see all the way before we start. Oh, to God, that we who have grown older would not sell God out of these hearts, these lives, and these souls of ours so easily. Believe in yourself. That's the most important thing. Not in things. Believe that somewhere out here as you make this trip toward the kingdom of God, or toward the fulfillment of your life, that whatever needs to be adjusted on the way, that you and God will be able to do it. That's his promise to us. And quickly, thirdly, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Christ. Not just a concept of your mind. Not just a concept of your mind here about the Lord Jesus Christ. But come to the place where you have had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just knowledge. Turn your knowledge into an experience. And in beloved, it makes all the difference in the world. You do not travel completely alone with a cold and aloof heart, but you travel with the assurance of something that has been confirmed within your heart and your soul that you know. And you know it so well that even as Paul said, if an angel should come from heaven and try to tell you something out, you could look at the angel and say that you are mistaking because I know. Now you see, we experience other things that is deep within these hearts and souls of ours that affects our lives completely and totally. I don't know why we shy away from it as Christians and having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that can be experienced emotionally. I was telling someone not too long ago as we were talking about ball clubs and ball games uh, that uh, years ago that I had a softball team of young men, 18 and under. And it was in a time when fast pitch ball was the Vogue of that day. 
And they were a great team. They should have been because we played together for about five years before they busted up. About the last year that they were together, one of the boys that was the pitcher on the team, by the name of Bill, was one of the greatest pitchers that I have ever known anywhere, any place. In fact, he was so good that I worked out the all of the sign language with them and felt real important. I'd stand on the third base line and I would call every pitch that Bill made. And this boy was so accurate that he could put it just about where I called for it to be. In fact, they were so good that I put them in the Metropolitan Playoff in the city of Louisville. Had to borrow $50 to do it. I thought they could win. But they didn't. They played Shooter Axel Company, and there's a member of this church, I think, was on, on that team. And when they played this group of men, and they were the champs, and they were good, the score at six and a half innings was zero. And the last inning, they beat us by one run, one to nothing. Now, I'm telling you not to tell you the effect of an emotional situation. One day... We were playing an important game, and Bill comes into the mound, and I take my place, and we start the game. And the batter, I noticed, was standing a little close to the plate, so I signaled old Bill, throw an inside ball, and back the batter off the plate. So he threw that ball and clobbered the poor batter. He just clobbered him. Well, he finally made it down to first base. Next batter got up, and so I called for old Bill. I knew the batter to throw a high ball. Well, he did, and went clear over the backstop. And this guy finally made it down to first base by walking. The next guy got up to bat. I called for Bill to, I think, to throw a strike right down the pike, and I called for the shortstop to be ready because it's going right down the line. Well, he didn't even come close to the plate. I called the game. Time. And I went out to the pitcher's mound. I said, Bill and his little brother by the name of Kenny was a shortstop. And he was about 13 at that time. I said, Bill, what in the world is the matter with you? I said, you can't hit the side of a barn. And before Bill had a chance to answer, Kenny spoke up and he says, well, I'll tell you what's wrong with him. He says he's in love with some dumb girl. Well, I should have recognized the symptoms because Bill did have his eyes sort of glassy, you know, and he had a tendency to walk out in front of cars before they stopped and things like that. And Kenny went on to say, he said, you know, he says if love makes me as goofy as he's been the last three or four weeks, he says, I don't want any part of it. Now, I'm saying that to say this. Now, that's an emotional experience uh, that all of us go through. It does affect our life. And we can go through that and be involved in it. And there are certain things that we know that we know. Why is it that we can't come to the place? As we know the Lord Jesus Christ. That we can walk so close with him that he becomes a living reality within our life that we can experience. And that we can experience it so thoroughly from the top of our head to the bottom of our soul that we are never the same again. We know that we know that we belong to God and to his kingdom. And no one is able to take that from us. Beloved, if you'd have been there that day when the disciples got in this boat, and you knew how tricky it was out there on that sea. And you knew a storm could come up immediately. It was sundown. Would you not have suggested them to wait till morning? Look, it's, it's dangerous to be out there. You might lose your life. 
But if you had said such thing as that to them, and you had refused to get in the boat, that may be the reason why that it's never been confirmed within your heart and your soul emotionally that Jesus Christ is truly Savior and Lord. Because the only way that these disciples knew that Jesus was total Lord over everything was to be in the boat with him when that storm struck. And that word said they were so afraid should be it should not have been translated that way. It should have been translated they were awestruck. Something happened to them. They were in awe of Jesus because he had power over the wind and the sea. When you and I come to the place where we're willing to get in the boat with Jesus, no matter if it's sundown, no matter if it's dark, no matter if you can't see the other land or the other shore, forget it. You are with the Lord. That is the Lord of all. And the experience will come to you if it has not been confirmed within your own heart and soul that Jesus is truly Lord through an experience, emotional experience. It could be, dear ones, you have failed to commit totally your life to Jesus and in a sense get in the boat with him even in the face of a storm. Let me leave this with you. Not too long ago, I was where they were moving a lot of earth with these great massive pieces of machinery. When I see these big pieces of machinery, I'm just attracted to them for some reason or another. I happened to get there when he was ready to start this great piece of earth moving equipment. And as I watched him start this piece of equipment, I noticed that he started, it was a little engine about the size of a lawnmower engine, maybe a little bigger on the side of this great massive piece of equipment. And I noticed that he fired this thing up first. He started it. And I stood there and just watched. And then I asked him, I said, well, what, what's that thing for? I thought maybe it was some of the guiding mechanism or something. He says, no. He says, I start that engine, and that engine is the one that starts this big one. And sure enough, the little engine idled along there a little while, and then he revved it up a little bit and struggled a little bit, and that big engine fired and the smoke poured out of its stack. And then he was ready to rip this earth that you and I live on apart. It took that little engine to call into power that big, massive piece of equipment. There is within your heart and your soul the equipment to that little engine. Oh, but the power is different. I can speak of a power that I stand in awe of. That little engine within your heart is the one that we know as faith and trust. Let it do its work and you have the ability through your life to release the power of a living God in this world. My friend, that is not guesswork. That is not speculation. That is an absolute fact. Oh, our God then help me to use what has been given to me in order that this power might become a reality for my life and those that I live with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.